0: reading for tonight is found in 1st John chapter 2 verse 7 to verse 17. 1 John 2 verse 7 through 17. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard From the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness, even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light. And there is no occasion of stumbling to him, <clears throat> but he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because the darkness hath blinded his eyes. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for, your, for are forgiven you for His name's sake. And the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. In response to the reading of Dear Congregation, a Russian storyteller told or wrote a story about a monastery. This monastery was located very far from. Any city. It was deep, deep into the wilderness with the purpose of isolating the monks from the cities which were related at the same time to the world. But this monastery had a leader, and the leader decided once to take a tour through the main cities, and he did so. And upon his return, this leader Remained a lot of time in his room without living, without eating, without talking to anybody. He was doing sort of a mourning process because of the condition of the world, what he saw in his visit to different cities. When he finally left his room and began to talk to the other monks, to his disciples in this monastery, he began to describe to what his To what him what a sad condition of the world. And he described the pleasures that were found in the world, the different sins committed in the world, the different injustices that he saw in the world. And after he told everything he saw to his monks, he came back to his room. And after a few days he left his room in search of his disciples, and to his surprise, There were no monks in the monastery. All of them had left the monastery and had gone directly to the cities, to the world. It it is a very interesting story. But what this story shows or tells is that the world as such is not something that is particularly out there. Or is not something that is very external. In the verses that we read a few minutes ago, we can see that there are particular things in the world. But if you pay attention to those things described as being in the world, these things are inside of the human heart. And you can isolate yourself as much as you want from the world. But wherever there is a human being, there you can find The things of the world. Yet, dear congregation, before addressing our main theme this morning, we also or we would like to see that the affection of a believer also can testify or can be, can represent a mark of whether a person is not a true believer or he is indeed. Sometimes when we think about the marks of grace, we place them as very intellectual, whether a person knows or doesn't know the truth. Or sometimes we go to a very practical extreme, whether the person walks in the light or he doesn't walk in the light, as we see in 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 or 6. But the affections as well testify of the marks of grace. The affections and the object of the affections can let us know whether a person is a believer or not. And here particularly, John is addressing the affections that a believer has toward the things of the world. A negative command not to love the world is given to believers of all levels of maturity, as we saw from verses 12 to 14. And it is given on a basis or the basis of a contrast between the world and the things of the world on one hand and God the Father on the other hand. With the help of the Holy Spirit, we will see this afternoon that a child of God, a child of God must not love the world. But there are reasons for this. Both the evil origin and transitory existence of the things of the world are contrary to the character of the Father. Let us begin by looking at the, at the fact that loving the world is contrary to the love of the Father. And we can find this in verse 15. And there is a prohibition for this. In the beginning of verse 15, we find the words... Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Now, before understanding, or in order to understand this, we need to know what John means by loving and one, what John means by the world. Concerning the word love, this word has a very broad biblical usage. Its general mean is that it it refers to love directly or transparently, but also to be full of goodwill toward something, also to wish well to someone or to regard the welfare of someone. In the writings of John, this word from the Greek usually refers to the loving union and communion between the father and the son and vice versa also between the triune god and believers and vice versa and among believers so when john uses the verb the greek verb that is using here we can think of john removing a curtain and allowing us to see inside of a divine home or divine house where the triune god has union and communion among itself or among themselves in the persons of the Trinity, but also as God has fellowship with his children and his children have fellowship with God. So in other words, what John is requesting here to the believers is that they shouldn't have union nor communion with the world. Now by world, here John doesn't mean the physical realm of creation, the planet Earth. John is not saying that because sometimes the Bible uses this word to refer to it. Also, John is not referring to the tendencies of an age as we see in Romans chapter 1, verse 2. Rather, the apostle is referring to the world as Satan's spiritual dominion Which he uses to further his kingdom and interest, as well as to hinder the kingdom and the interest of Christ. This definition can be understood, again, as I said before, because of the elements contained in the world. The things that are in the world, which John identifies in verse 16, are the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And these things were first present in history back in the garden when Adam when Adam and Eve sinned against the Lord. After Satan lied to Eve, we see that her lust of the eye saw that the tree was good for food. Her last of the flesh desired that tree and the pride of life Lead her to imagine a life independent from God, a life equal, so to say, to God. <clears throat> These three elements led Adam and Eve to plunge themselves into depravity, as the reformers used to say. From that moment on, sin reigned, and through sin, Satan has put enmity between humanity. And God, and at the same time, Satan brought humanity under spiritual captivity. This is what we see in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 2 through 3. In time past, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation. In times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. However, God has always been the only Lord of heavens and the earth. (coughs) By his grace, the Lord has granted to his elect of all ages. Victory over Satan through faith in the seed of the woman. That is why when Jesus made reference to his death and resurrection he once said in John 12 31 now is the judgment of this world now shall the prince of this world be cast out. God's throne has never been removed from the earth but the world under Satan's influence has opposed God since the fall. (coughs) Based on the two definitions that we have so far concerning not loving the world, we can conclude then that a Christian must not love the world of which Satan is its prince. A Christian must not have good will towards Satan's dominion through which he keeps sinners under slavery and condemnation. A Christian obviously must not wish well to Satan by loving the world as the expansion of his wicked kingdom. A Christian must not have fellowship nor communion with the world. Loving the world means fostering Satan and his small dominion and showing allegiance to him instead of allegiance to God. Now, this is the prohibition that we find in our verses. But there is an implication that comes out of this prohibition. The next words of the Apostle John are, If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The human heart, as John states, has only room for one single love. Loving the world, then, has a direct and immediate implication, absence of the Father's love. By seeing that which you love, the Apostle John is able to see by whom you are loved. It is impossible to be loved by the Father without returning his love through our love. Remember the words, we love him because he loved us. However, what does John have in view here when using the expression, the love of the Father? How do we know where the love of the Father is or is not? How do we know this? Well John defines the love of God as keeping his commandments in chapter 5 verse 3 of first epistle of John and keeping his commandments is an action made by a person in whom the love of God is perfected as also John affirms in verse 5 chapter 2 perfected or the root of this term is the same that the Lord Jesus Christ used at the cross when he said it is finished in John nineteen twenty eight. So the love of the Father saw sinners in their desperate condition, fallen in despair under the tyranny of Satan, the world and their flesh. The love of the Father set apart a people among those sinners. The love of the Father provided a perfect Savior with a perfect righteousness who would accomplish the redemption on behalf of that particular people. Then the love of the Son made him take a body through which he humiliated himself. Through this body, he presented to God a perfect obedience in life and a satisfying offering as the punishment Through his death. Thus the Lord Jesus Christ cried, It is finished. The love of God for his people is consummated, is perfected. Even though the love of the Father is indeed perfect in its accomplishment, (coughs) there is also another sense in which it is perfected in his application. In this case, the love of the Holy Spirit applies the work of Christ in the souls of the elected sinners. <coughs> the love of the triune God is poured out in the saints' hearts. And as a consequence, the saints' hearts respond with love toward the father <clears throat> therefore the love of the father must be understood in 1st John chapter 2 verse 15 as that love which comes from the father but also that love which has the father as its object as its recipient as the preacher says <clears throat> The sea is the place from whence the rivers come to where they return again. Rivers of love flow from the sea of the Father's grace, and to Him, torrents of loving gratitude and obedience must return as well. Loving the world will not empty the sea, but will get the rivers of gratitude dry Can we now see why the love of God cannot reside in the heart who loves the world? Can we now see how contradictory it is to say, I am loved by the Father, but I love the world? A man in which the love of the Father dwells is a man whose main concern is to love the Father. Here is how a child of God really thinks. This is said by the Puritan Theophilus Gale If my heavenly Father is absent, my love goes forth to meet him by desire. If he is present, my love takes comfort in him and delights in him. If the love of my Father is in danger, my love faints with fear. If the enjoyment of my Father's love is obstructed, my love grows angry. If the love of my Father is interrupted through sin, my love sorrows. If the love of my Father, if there is any possibility that His love returns, then my love hopes. Christians, let us not love the world why are we so friendly with a world that so hates our Lord and so hates us? <clears throat> the world, the only thing that has to offer to the people of Christ is suffering, is hopelessness. Christian, let us not love the world because the, lo- the world hates us. The Heidelberg Catechism says in question 127 that our sworn enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh, do not cease to attack us. Why should we love a world that is our enemy? Why should we love the enemy of our Father? Regardless of your level of maturity in Christianity, do not neglect how the world tempts you in order to steal your affections. Do you remember Demas, who was an assistant of the great Apostle Paul? Demas abandoned the ministry because he so wrongly loved the world in 1 Timothy 4.10. Examine your own heart. In the light of this verse, in 1 John, many confessed to love the Father, but many certainly did not. On the other hand, dear church attendant, if the love of the Father doesn't dwell in your heart, you are loving an object that is not worthy of anyone's affection. You are giving your allegiance to the wrong master. The world may seem very attractive to you, but the world is like a poison that is sweet to a momentary flavor, but it is bitter unto death. (coughs) As we see in our passage, the world will leave you eternally fatherless. Repent of your love to the world and ask, ask the Lord to be your Father. He is especially merciful to receive those whom the world has left as orphans. Everyone who hears this word do not love the world. Non-believer, do not love the world. Believer, you especially do not flood the a world that so sinfully hates and opposes your heavenly father <clears throat> thus we move to our second point the things of the world are contrary to the father are contrary to the character of the father we can see this in verses sixteen and seventeen. So, the whole argument of the Apostle John for the Christians not to love the world revolves around one theme the Father. So, if any man love the world, and the love of the Father is not in him, and if all that is in the world comes out of the world and not out of the Father, and if the world passeth away, but the one who does the will of the Father abideth forever then we have a clear contrast. The world is so, so opposed to the Father, and it is natural for a believer to prioritize the things of the Father. It is now in verse 16 that the Apostle John gives the reason why the love of the Father cannot dwell in the heart of a person who loves the world. The first word of verse 16 is for. And for is a synonym of because. And that is a word that we use when expressing the cause, the reason for something. Besides, the first word of verse 17, if you look at me in your Bibles, it is important as well, because according to the Greek... The because of verse or the four of verse sixteen and the end of verse seventeen shows a close connection between those two verses. So the argument of the reason that the apostle John is going to be is going to give here is twofold. The reason why the love of the Father cannot dwell in the heart of a believer is twofold. The first one is given in verse 16, and the second one in verse 17. And the first reason that he gives for this is that all the things that are in the world do not have their origin in God, but rather in the world. Let us take a look at this one. Here John says or shows that the evil of the world is marked by the things of which it is composed or consists of. By lust of the flesh, it is understood the sinful desires that request a body in order for them to be perpetrated. By the lust of the eye, it is understood the sinful desires that request a corrupt imagination to be committed. By the pride of life, it is understood the sinful disregard and independence from god it is the sinful boasting in the self and not in the lord these things can be seen also in the verbs that eve or that describe the fall of man when eve saw she desired and she took Also, it was the same case with Achan in Joshua chapter 7, verse 21. When he was brought before Joshua, Achan is confessing his sin, and then he says, I saw, I coveted, I took. As mentioned before, these three elements he represented came into sin when the first temptation took place in the, in the earth. As we can see, the flesh takes the world as its scenario in order to project all its depravity under the orchestration of Satan. A triangle of evil is what we find here, and one that is completely represented in these elements. That is why these three elements cannot find their origin in God the Westminster Confession of Faith chapter 3 article 1 <clears throat> affirms that God indeed ordains whatsoever comes to pass yet so as thereby neither is God the author of sin so the lust of the flesh lust of the eye and pride of life cannot have God as their source because they are sinful and they are evil So, child of God, be careful, because these things can deceive ourselves greatly. You can perhaps think that you do not love the world, nor the things of the world, because you don't have the things that bear these characteristics. But still, how many Christians are lamenting because they do not possess the things of the world How many Christians are in the church, but you can see in their face and in their souls the lack of contentment with the things of the Lord? How many Christians are in the church or following the Lord, but there is a strong desire within their hearts to be in possession of the things of the world? Like Amnon... When he could not have Tamar, many Christians lose sleep, lose weight, and get distressed because they do not get the world. What if you had an evil cousin with a sharp eye, as Amnon had? What if someone asks you, dear cousin, why are you sad? I can see it in your face. Well, may your reply never be I love the world but I cannot have it as Amnon replied Be content with the Lord's provision for your body and for your soul today do not complain about the fact that God God's providence never gives you what you are asking so that you may enjoy of the things of the world <clears throat> and secondly We now move to verse 17. Not only John establishes a contrast between the source of the things of the world and the Father, but now he establishes a difference between their time or their duration in time. The world and its last fades away, while he who does the will of God will abide forever. As Richard Baxter said, if a man were given the sight of heaven and hell, he would consider the world less than he did before. Also, another commentator said, We were made for a person and a place. <clears throat> Jesus is the person, and heaven is the place. We will never be satisfied with any person less than Jesus. And no place less than heaven. We won't be fully content until we are home with our beloved. The world passeth away and the last thereof. My friend, if you love the world, you will perish with it. Unbelieving friend, you who restlessly and constantly love the world, hear this warning today. You will perish eternally. You who are faithful to the world, you will perish eternally. And, Christian, believer, if you have a small place in your heart reserved for the world, get rid of it immediately. Abandon your appreciation for the world. Abandon your appreciation for the enemy of our Lord. Let us examine our hearts. Let us not be fascinated by the things of the world. Let us say with the psalmist, Whom I have in heaven but thee, and there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. Let your heart be instructed in the, fast, in the fast expiration of the world. There is, however, something important to note on the second part of verse 17. There the Apostle doesn't say, Those who are born of God abideth forever, or the children of God, or Christians will abide forever. But he says, Those who do the will of the Lord, those who do the will of the Father, Will abide forever. So loving the things of the world is contrary to the Father because the Father is holy, is pure, He is good. The world is darkness, God is the Father of lights. The world is hatred, and God is love. The world is a fast expiring vanity, the Lord is everlasting. And the ones who do his will will abide forever. Now, non believer here among us, again recognize that your allegiance to the world is evil. The world sets in motion a system through which you can satisfy your flesh, your eye, and the pride of your life. But non believer, It is impossible for you to love God the Father and to stop loving the world. And the world as a deadly product doesn't always reveal its fatal consequences. Renounce on your allegiance to the world and ask God to declare about your link to the world. It is finished. Believer, examine your heart concerning your affections towards the world whether it is the lust of the flesh or whether you struggle with the lust of the eye or you struggle with the pride of life examine your heart because there can be small inclinations in our hearts toward the world but being tempted by the world however doesn't mean that we are not children of God our duty is rather to make our election sure, as Peter says, by persevering in our love to the Father. We need to repent from our appreciation to the world, and we should not befriend this world. We need to purify ourselves once more in the blood of Christ and aim to live for the eternal. So the encouragement for believers is Persevere in doing the will of God. Persevere in loving the Father. Love God. Love your brethren. And love and have compassion for those who are lost in the world. Now, if we want to persevere and receive assistance in how to live for the eternal, we just need to take a look at our Savior. Jesus Christ. His food and his meal was to do the will of the Father. No one has ever committed himself to do the will of the Father as our Lord Jesus Christ did. No one has ever loved God the Father as Jesus Christ in the flesh did. So my encouragement for us this afternoon is, is let us take a look at the life and the ministry of our Savior Jesus Christ with this in mind. Let us learn and let us be instructed of how we should love our Father and how we should live for the eternal. This world world will pass away. The things we see now, we won't see them one day if the Lord comes before we die. But this world is not worthy of our affections. This world is not worthy of the allegiance of a believer. And as Hebrews 11 speaks, we need to live for the heavenly city, that whose architect is the Lord. We need to see our time here on the earth as a transitory pilgrimage. We are not from here. We don't belong to this place. But there is a city awaiting for us. And in that city, we will see our Father. We will see our Savior, Jesus Christ. And the work of the Spirit will fill all of us in a measure unheard of. So let us live for the eternal. Let us remove our eyes from the earthly Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, who is at the right hand of the Father. Let us renew our commitment to love the Father. And finally, let us ask for his help as we battle here on earth against the affections that the world may raise in our hearts. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, please help us understand the magnitude of thy word, of thy love towards us. Help us understand just a little bit of the love that thou hast to us. As John says, behold, what manner of love is this? Help us to behold, Lord, that manner of love. And help us to be filled by that manner of love. Please, Lord, grab our hearts. Turn our hearts to Thee and fix our hearts in Yours so that we may continue to live and that we even may increase, Lord, in our love to Thee and also help us to live detached from the things that are momentary. Lord, also help us because the things that are in the world are also in our hearts. It is, in, it is through the remaining sin that we find in our own lives. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, and pride of life. Help us, Lord, to actively mortify these lusts, this sin. And help us, Lord, to live for the eternal. Our hearts are in search of meaning. Our hearts are in search of things that this world cannot give to us, cannot provide to us. So, Lord, please help us so that our hearts may find rest in thee. Again, as Augustine of Hippo said, thou hast made us for thyself, and our hearts will be restless until we find thee. Lord, again we ask for forgiveness. We ask that thou may forgive the times and the ways in which we can attach ourselves to the things of the world. And please, Lord, break any link that we may have with the world as understood in this passage, with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat>